Welcome to day two of the AGSMIS Entrepreneurial Training Program organized by Lakeshore Integrated Services, your preferred entrepreneurial development institution. So this is the first class for today and we're going to be looking at creativity and innovation. Creativity and innovation are two assets or skills that can give you competitive advantage in the marketplace. Creativity is the art of conceiving something original or unusual or generating ideas which are new and unique. Innovation is the implementation of something new or introducing something new into the marketplace. So how do you become a better creative thinker? How do you, be, do you become a better creative thinker? Yeah, for there are people who seem to be naturally creative. They have it as a gift. Uh, but even if you are not that person or you don't believe that you are naturally creative, there are things you could do to become a better creative thinker, to help you develop the skill of being creative. Now let's look into some of those things that you could do. Through observation, you can become a better creative thinker through observation. Become good at noticing little changes in your environment. We live in a very noisy world. For those of you that are based in a place like Lagos, you know that this is a very noisy and busy city. But for you to become a creative thinker, there are times where you need to just tune out, take out time, sit down and just observe your environment. Observe your environment. What is happening in your environment? How are the different parts of the environment interacting with one another? Take a look at animals. Take a look at people. Just observe. Observe. You begin to notice things that you have never noticed before. Even in your environment where you live, when you become better at observing, just taking time to observe, you begin to see things that had always been there but that you had never seen before. So through observation, you can become a better creative thinker. Through imagination. This is one power that every single person has. Once you are able to dream, you have this power. You have the power of imagination. Develop your imaginative power. Learn to dream and build things in your mind. Free your mind. Dreaming is free, but a lot of us don't use that asset. You can dream up ideas. You can create anything you want to create in your mind. You can become Superman, Supergirl, Superwoman, Spider-Man in your mind. You can go to abroad. You can go to the US and come back in your mind. So learn to dream. Learn to, learn to allow your mind explore. Use your imaginative power. And once you begin to tap into that power, you begin to see that a lot of the things that you imagine your mind begins to come up with ideas on how some of this thing can become a reality. So through imagination, you can become a better creative thinker. Through exposure, 
through exposure. I have friends who have stayed abroad and when they came back, their mindset was completely changed. They became more creative. And you're thinking, how, how, how did that happen? A lot of the things that they thought was not impossible or were not impossible when they were here, when they went over there, they saw that it was possible and people had already achieved those things, had created those things that they thought were impossible. So that expanded their minds and their understanding of what is possible and what is, what is impossible. So you, you, you begin to see opportunities where you used to see limitations, especially when it comes to creating things, creating new things. So exposure helps you to become a better um, creative thinker because when you travel and you interact with other cultures, you interact with new environments, it's, it puts more ideas in your subconscious, into your subconscious. Like, oh, this is possible, this is possible. When you now come back to an undeveloped environment, you begin to see new things everywhere that you had never seen before in your mind. So through exposure, now through experience, get involved and acquire practical experience doing something fun, exciting, and maybe scary through experience. Now, there's... There's something that you pick up from experience, practical experience that you can never pick up by reading a book or watching, um, by, by, by reading about a skill or watching how a skill is, is, um, is acquired. You can only pick up this attribute by being involved. And that is the attribute of the feeling. You can't learn a feeling by reading it in a book. You can only learn a feeling or understand a feeling by feeling it. And the only way you get to feel is when you have experienced it. So practical experience enlarges your mind. You become a better creative thinker when you have experienced something by yourself. You know that this is possible. This exists. It's just like for someone who has never experienced the power of healing, supernatural healing, it is hard to explain it. It is hard to believe it. But if it has happened to you once, you know, this is possible. This is possible. So through experience, you can become a better creative thinker. Like there are certain things that I'd said I was going to achieve, that I was going to become. I said it. I believed it. And because I believed it so much, I believed that it was going to come to pass. And because I, I believed it that much, things begin to happen to validate my belief. I begin to take steps that I wouldn't take before. I begin to see possibilities where I never used to see possibilities. I begin, I, 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 I begun to engage with people that I would never engage before. I begun to take risks that I would not have dared to take before. So, but because I have experienced it, I can say that it's real and it works. Because through experience, you can become a better creative thinker. Through curiosity, 
become interested in finding out how things work. I read it somewhere that uh, as an adult, one time you begin to know that you don't know a lot is when your child begins to ask you questions. Many of us shut our children down when, when they begin to ask us questions that we have no answer for. You know, they see you doing something, behaving in a certain way, and they ask you, why, why are you doing it like this? And you have no answer. You're like, What's your, God, God, you're not, do it like that. That's how it's done. Why? You know, many people don't like the why guy. That's the guy who's always asking why. Why is it like this? Why must it be done like this? Can't we do it another way? Be that person who always asks the why question. Why must we follow this pattern? Why must we craft our message this way? Why must we design our product this way? Why must we, why, why, why? By the time you start asking the question why, you will find out that a lot of limitations around you are not real. A lot of those limitations were created by people. People who have no idea why those limitations are there. So through curiosity, you can become a better creative thinker. Awaken your inquiring mind. Seek understanding. Now, through exploration, travel to places you can't reach physically by watching movies, reading books, and listening to creative people. There are certain people you will sit around, and by the time you are leaving them, you are a different person. You begin to see things that you had never seen before. There's someone that will sit down and they're, they're, they're looking at the sky and they're seeing so many things. You are looking at the sky and you're seeing, I can't see, no, I can't see anything. There are people that see problems and when they come up with creative ideas, you're like, how, how do you think? How can you come up with these ideas? When you sit around such people long enough, you begin to also develop the ability to see things differently. Okay? So, um, now, how do you become an innovator? How do you become an innovator? Let me tell you the secret. One of the secrets. As a matter of fact, the main secret. Study the product, service, problem, market, or the need. Innovation, this is the secret. Innovation is based on knowledge. Innovation is based on knowledge. The more you understand the product, the more you understand the service, the more you understand who this product and service is made for, the more you understand the problem, the more you understand the need, the better you can make the necessary changes, the better you can add something to that product or service that would make it even meet the need even better. But Innovation is a product of knowledge. When you know that product so well, you would know what to take away from the product to make it more efficient. When you understand that system so well, you will know where the problem lies. You will know the limitations, you will know the weaknesses of that system and decide and you can decide to make some few changes. So innovation is based on knowledge. Get inspiration from other industries where major disruptions have happened. Look around you. Look at other industries. 
the transportation industry is one industry where we've seen major disruption. Uber, Taxify, these are companies that cost major disruptions in transportation. Look at other industries too, where major disruptions have happened. And see what you can learn from those disruptions and how you can apply some of the lessons that you learn in your own industry. Then look where others are not looking to see what others have not seen. Imagine you are, you are, you, you are in an industry and everybody is looking for how they can reduce, um, reduce the price, they reduce the cost and reduce the price and reduce the quality so that they can get more people to buy. And instead of you to look at that direction, you begin to look at how you can maintain the same price but add more value to the product or the service. Now everybody's looking for how they can reduce the price and reduce the value a little bit because they feel that will make them sell more. But because of your understanding of the market, you are looking elsewhere. You're looking for how to maintain that same price and increase the value. So you have to learn, you want to become an innovator, you have to learn to look where other people are not looking so that you can see what they are not seeing or what they have not seen. <laughs> okay, so be solution driven at all times and avoid people who only complain about the problem. Remember where we talked about developing an entrepreneurial mindset. You need to be solution driven. You need to be solution driven. Become a problem solver. Always think of how can we solve this problem? One question that I always um, tell people to ask if they want to become more innovative, if they want to become problem solver, problem solvers, always ask this question, how can I make it work? Or how can we make it work? When this pandemic started, that was one of the posts that I made on my social media handle. We should be asking the question, how can we make this work? How can we make this work? We can't bury our heads in the sand and act like um, everything is fine. The children have been sitting at home for how many months now? And I don't think they're asking enough questions on how can we make this work. Sending them back into a still dangerous um, environment, community, is not the answer. How can we make this work? The more you ask this question, the more your mind goes to work. When you are asleep, your mind is awake looking for a solution. Your mind is awake looking for a solution. How can we make this work? So ask this question in your industry, whatever business that you are in. If there's a specific challenge, a particular challenge that's been giving you a problem, ask, how can I make this work? So one thing that I thought of when I kept asking myself, how can we make this work in the area of education is that on almost every street, we can have makeshift schools. We have teachers that are at home. We have children that are at home. We have parents that are at home. On almost every street, we can have makeshift schools where you have like five kids gather and there's a teacher on that street who is teaching them just to keep their minds active. Not every child can afford, not every parent can, not every parent can afford to buy smartphones or buy data or 
afford the time to sit with the kids and monitor them. But if there's an agreement on almost every street, people agree, the parents there agree, okay, let us contribute this amount of money and, you know, give it to this guy who's a teacher to just teach our five kids, space them adequately. Or every day or twice, twice, twice a week or three times a week. Somebody can decide to say, okay, I have enough space in my compound. You guys can use my, use my compound. We're not thinking, We're not thinking deep enough. For those who have schools, I suggested on one group that you can, you can, you can do a, do a, do a recording of your teachers teaching about all the topics that they have to teach for the term and store this on flash drives and send it to the parents that pay the school fees for the term send it to them they don't need data for that they can plug into their into their usb televisions and their kids would learn so if we if we, if we keep asking how can we make this work how can i make this work i believe it can make you become a better innovator okay so take long walks occasionally to clear your mind and give your ideas time to incubate sometimes when you start getting stressed out you're trying to create an idea trying to solve a problem and you're getting stressed just shut everything down shut your laptop down close the book and just take a long walk now i must warn you if you are someone like me who is quite sensitive to smell you need to be careful the places that you walk to because there are some places you walk past and the kind of smell that you uh, that you can smell from those areas will shut your creative mind completely you shut just shut it down so you need to be careful of the kind of places that you walk to um when you decide to take your walk to clear your mind because you might end up with more <laughs> junk in your mind so be careful um, if you want to adopt this strategy of taking a walk and walk to places where there's there's serenity, a clean environment that smells good. Um, it usually it usually works for me though. I don't know, it, does, it might not work for you, but it works for me. Okay, so um, one other thing you can do is to put your ideas to work. You remember when we talked about developing an entrepreneurial mindset, we talked about taking calculated risks. So put your ideas to work. Start with small projects. This helps you to build your self-confidence as an innovator. When you start with small projects and you get positive outcome, positive feedback, your confidence in trying out more ideas even increases. So start with small risks. Unlocking entrepreneurial competencies. A lot of us have entrepreneurial competences competences inside of us that we have not been able to assess but there are certain activities that you can get involved in that can unlock these competencies let us take a look at some of these activities search for problems and take initiative to transform them into business situations Remember that friend of mine that I said went to Keto Market and started buying tomato in bulk and selling to people. 
started buying tomato in bulk she would blend it she would blend the tomato and package it in plastic and put it in the fridge and on monday she would you know deliver it to the customers or clients that wanted um, how to get the tomatoes for them this was what she just did she searched for she searched for a problem a lot of people they, they a lot of people don't like going to the market you know for some people it's stress so she said okay how can i solve this problem for these people she now took the initiative to transform that problem into a business situation the first time that she went to do it for some for her colleagues it wasn't it wasn't a business idea she was just wanted to go to the market to buy stuff and what we would normally do when we see someone going to buy something that we also need is to give the person money to also buy for us that was what happened but she transformed it into a business situation and i believe that for a lot of us who are on this training that's that, that's probably how we started one or, or two of our businesses so you need to search for problems and take initiative to transform them into business situations then set goals and make a commitment to yourself that you will not give up until you achieve them it doesn't matter in what area of your life you set these goals the fact that you have started setting goals and you have made a commitment to yourself that you will never give up until you achieve them helps to unlock your entrepreneurial competencies it helps to unlock because an entrepreneur is someone who knows how to set goals who knows how to set goals and work towards achieving those goals so when you begin to set goals even if it's your it's in your area of health is in the area of your spirituality is in the area of uh, your family your relationships as long as you have a goal and you're working towards achieving that goal it begins to unlock entrepreneurial competencies now try new things but take calculated risk take on new tasks and challenges voluntarily you know remember we said that an entrepreneur is someone who solves problems that he did not create so you want to unlock entrepreneurial competencies learn to take on new tasks and challenges voluntarily there are several things that i earn money doing today that the first few times that i did it i did it for free it wasn't a business for me i just decided to take on the new task okay you need to want to do this let me give it a try or you need someone to do this let me give it a try and before you knew it before you knew it i became good at it and it became a business for me so it unlocked my entrepreneurial competencies you can also use this to unlock your entrepreneurial competencies try new things but take calculated risk always look for the money in every situation problem and need look for the money the entrepreneur is someone who knows how to make money from a situation you are not a philanthropist you are an entrepreneur you need to look for the money where's the money in this problem where's the money in this situation you need to have an eye for the money so make it a habit of always looking for the money in any in any situation or in any problem Cultivate the habit of continuous learning by acquiring new knowledge and practicing something you have just learned. I would want to emphasize the practicing something that you've not learned. A lot of us are moving encyclopedias. A lot of us are moving. I, I, I don't know what word 
I want to use. We we have so, we have acquired so much knowledge that when the amount of knowledge we've acquired is put side by side with the the the, the, the achievements, there's actually no correlation. We know so much, but are achieving so little. There was a time I decided I was not going to go for any seminar or training again until I have started applying what I had already learned. Because I found out that at the end of the day, I'll go to a seminar and what they are telling me to do there is what I've I've heard many times but have not started implementing. So you need to cultivate the habit of continuous learning by acquiring new knowledge, but more importantly, by practicing something you have just learned. Okay, so learn to start taking responsibility for solving problems you discover or create. Don't pass the buck. Something that they always told us back then when I was working at the bank was um, always pass the buck. When the situation is getting out of hand or you feel you can't handle it, pass the buck. And a lot of people develop the habit of just passing the buck, no longer taking initiative. You know, so... But if you want to to develop an entrepreneurial mindset, you need to be able to take initiative. Don't pass the buck. Find a way to solve the problem. Find a way to solve the problem. Whether you created the problem or not, find a way to solve the problem. And this will help to unlock your entrepreneurial competencies. So this brings us to the end of the first class. I want to thank you all for watching and for participating in our yesterday's class. Please, we'll also encourage you to participate in today's class. Kindly go to the group and drop a few comments on what you have learned from this particular class. And if you have questions, please, you can also drop them on the group. If you have experiences that you would like to share with us that we could also learn from, please feel free to drop them in the group. You can use a voice note, you can use a video, you can you just use simple text. Thank you very much and I'll see you in the next class. Hello and welcome back to class. Hope you enjoyed the presentation on creativity and innovation. What we are going to be talking about in this class is value chain development value chain development. So let's quickly run through the outline. We're going to look at value chain defined, that is the definition of value chain, value chain analysis, value chain activities, principles of accounting, and record keeping. So let's get started. What is value? Value is provided by the attributes of a product or service. Value could be real, or value could be perceived. When a customer buys your product or service, what the customer is buying is the solution to his or her problem. So if you look at your product or service in that way, you have a better understanding of the customer's need. What the customer is actually looking for is a solution to his or her problem. This customer is not looking for your product. The customer is not looking for your service. The customer is looking for a solution. And it so happens that your product or service seem to be a solution to his problem, his or her problem. So when you look at your product or service that way, you would understand that what you need to do on a consistent basis is to find out how 
your product or service can better solve the problem of the customer. So the more you understand the problem that the customer has, the more the better the more you can design or the better you can the, the more you can design a product or a service to solve that particular problem. All right? So value in the eyes of a customer is how well your product or service solves his or her problem. What do customers pay for? Customers are willing to pay money to obtain goods and services because of the benefits they receive. Why a customer comes to your store or your office to buy a product from you is because of the benefits, the attributes. The attributes that that product has, the benefits that they would receive from the product. And that's why in marketing, we usually teach that if you want to sell your product, you need to attach value to each benefit. Don't just describe the product, the features of the product. No, what are the benefits of the features of the product to the customer? How does this how uh, does the features of your product solve my problem as a customer so what do customers pay for customers pay for the benefits they receive from your product they are not paying you for uh, the features no the benefits that's what they pay for so value chain defined what is a value chain a value chain is a business model that describes the full range of activities needed to create a product or service the full range of activities that is needed to create a product or service one of the major challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs have is the pricing of their products and services it's more comp is even more complicated when you're trying to price a service so this topic, um, this topic that we're looking at today can help you to identify what activities actually add value to your product so that you can better price your product and intelligently defend the price of your product or service. So value chain analysis, this is the purpose of the, the purpose of a value chain analysis is to increase production efficiency so that a company can deliver maximum value for the least possible costs so the whole idea is to increase the value for the least possible costs and how do you do this you need to understand where the cost is coming from what are the elements of production what are the elements of marketing what are the elements of storage that add to the cost of your product. How can you reduce these costs in a way that it doesn't affect the value of the product or service? So added value creates competitive advantage. Added value creates competitive advantage. This is the reason why you will get to the marketplace and you see the same type of product having different prices 
this is because added value creates competitive advantage why is this product more expensive than this other product people know that this is this is cheaper but yet they are going for the more expensive one added value there might be something else that the customer is getting from that other product that is more expensive that this other product that is cheaper does not offer so you need to understand the activities involved in the process of converting the raw materials that you use in your production to the finished product and getting it to the customer what are the activities involved when you understand these activities you would know where you could actually add value there are basically two um, categories of activities that create value the value they are called the value chain activities so there's the primary and the secondary activities let's quickly look at the primary activities the primary value chain activities have an immediate effect on the production maintenance sales and support of the products or services to be supplied let me take that again the primary value chain activities have an immediate effect on the production maintenance sales and support of the products or services to be supplied now let us begin to look at where the value of a product comes from the first set of activities is called inbound logistics the activities involved in getting the raw materials or basic basic ingredients needed to create the final the finished product inbound logistics refers to the activities involved in getting the raw materials or basic ingredients needed to create the finished product all the activities involved before you even start to process the raw material has started adding value to the finished product all the activities involved so getting the raw materials from your supplier to your factory that cost the procedure the process of getting it to your factory has already started adding value to the product so every activity involved in getting the raw materials or the ingredients needed is a part of the value chain so the next set of activities is the operations this is the actual these are the actual activities involved in converting the raw materials into the finished product these are the activities involved in converting the raw materials to the finished product so this is the processing part the, this is where processing comes in the processing maybe like getting your palm your um, palm seeds converting your palm seeds to red oil the activities involved in converting the palm seeds to red oil every activity involved there um falls under operations then we now move to outbound logistics the activities involved in getting the finished product to the customer 
the activities involved in getting the, the finished product to the consumer. So, after you have converted the raw materials to the finished product, that's not where the value chain ends. Every activity involved in getting that finished product to the consumer also adds another level of value to the product or service. The storage of the finished product also falls under outbound logistics. Then how the product is distributed to the various locations where it is needed is also part of the outbound logistics. Now we move to the next set of activities, which is marketing and sales. Do you know that the customer is supposed to pay you for advertising your products or service to him or her? This is how it works. As a customer, I have a problem. I need a solution. But I don't know where that solution is. Now you as an entrepreneur, as a business man, as a business owner who has identified that I have a problem, and you want to reach me to let me know that you have a solution. You have to do advertising to get to me. So, but when I see your advert on the, on the, t on the television, on social media, I am happy because I have a problem and I've seen a solution. So I am supposed to pay you and I'll be happy to pay you for telling me that you have a solution to my problem because I have been looking for a solution. So your marketing activities adds value to your product or service. It adds value to your product or service. So understanding these activities would help you to be able to defend your price and to stand by your price with so much confidence because you understand that these activities added value to this product or to this service so we move to the next one which is service and this includes the activities involved in enhancing customer experience after the sale of the product or service has been finalized this is like when you call to follow up so the the money you spent to call to do follow-up after the customer has, you know, has bought the product, to ask um, for feedback, how the experience the customer had, the type of um, system that you put in place to do the follow-up, the type of customer, the type of staff that you hire to do that follow-up, the type of training that they've gone through to be able to communicate with the customer in a way that is pleasurable that is pleasing to the customer also falls under the service then installation maintenance these activities add value to the product and the service even after it has been sold so let's quickly talk about the secondary activities but before then you need to know that the nature of value chain varies from industry to industry so you need to find out the value chain for your own industry you cannot assume that because the value chain um, the, the value chain in one industry 
you know um has this set of activities this particular set of activities that is the same set of activities that make up the value in your own industry doesn't work that way so you need to find out what are these what are the various activities that add to the value of my product or service within my industry so secondary activities secondary value chain activities also called support activities help make the primary value chain activities more efficient we have procurement activities involved in how the resources and materials or ingredients needed for the product are sourced do you know that if you are able to reduce the cost that you use in buying raw materials which should naturally reduce the cost of the final product that's the price of the final product you are supposed to share the profit with your customer let me give you a practical example take for example the total cost of the raw materials that you need to produce a particular product is a hundred thousand naira, and you were able to through your research and negotiation power get um reduce the price the cost of getting the raw material to eighty thousand naira, which automatically is supposed to impact the price that you sell to the customer let's assume that when you were selling it for a hundred thousand naira, the price that when you were getting the raw materials for a hundred thousand naira, the unit price was ten thousand naira, and you made a certain amount of profit and now that you've been able to reduce the cost to eighty thousand naira, if you sell the product for eight thousand naira, you will still make the same amount of profit that you used to make when you sold it for ten thousand naira. But rather than sell it for 8,000 Naira, you should sell it for 9,000 Naira. Why? Because the fact that you were able to get a cheaper, cheaper raw materials, but that still give the customer the same value, is an added value. It adds value to the product. And it's seen as value added. In the eyes of the customer so you've been able to reduce the price from ten thousand to nine thousand the customer is happy you have a competitive advantage now because you are delivering the same value at a lower price but you are also making more profit so that is how it works that's how the value chain analysis works. so that's why you need to really understand this value chain analysis and understand the value chain in your own industry so the next set of activities falls under technology and development activities involved in designing and developing better products and systems using technology so when you have um, when you automate payment you um, decide to start using systems that automate payment the customer is supposed to pay you for it because you have made paying for the product that the customer needs to solve his problem more efficient now if the customer was supposed to if the initial system was that the customer would drive all the way to your office or drive all the way to the bank 
and stand in line and wait to pay and wait for a printout before he now comes back to your office to show you the printout and before you now give him the product. You would agree with me that when you automate that system and the customer can be in your office and make the payment online and you can get your staff in the office to print a receipt, that is an added value. But it costs you money to put that new system in place. It has added to the value of your product. And other, cost, other, other competitors that don't have that kind of system would uh, you would give them a run for their money because now you have a competitive advantage even if you don't decide to increase the price what this would do is it will strengthen the customer loyalty it shows that you care about your customer you you don't want them to go through that level of stress to have access to the solution to their problem remember your product or service is a solution to the customer's problem. The customer wants your product. He wants your service because you are solving a problem for him or her. Always look at your business that way and you'll be more confident about whatever it is that you sell. So the next one, human resources management. Activities involved in hiring and retaining employees who will help design, market and sell the product and also manage the customer. Yes, remember that you are helping the customer to solve a problem. So by hiring more competent staff, by having more qualified uh, customer service personnel to manage this customer, you have, you've added value to that product, you've added value to your brand, you've added value to your business. And this can give you a competitive advantage. So this activity also adds value to your brand like we said in the beginning value can be real value can be perceived so it doesn't matter which one it is to the customer whether it's real value or whether it's perceived value it adds value to your product your brand and or service so corporate infrastructure is makes up another secondary um, um, another secondary activities secondary activities the corporate infrastructure activities that enables the organization to manage its systems and resources maintain its daily operations and make decisions effectively when you have competent management in place it means that the customer will get good value for his or her money Products will be delivered on time. Remember, these products have been created to solve the customer's problem. The longer it takes to, for the product to get to the customer, the longer they will suffer. So if you have competent management in place that take decisions effectively, help to get these products produced on time, help to get this product um, moved from your factory to the customer's location faster, then it is an added value. It's an added value that the customer would need to pay for. So when you come up with your final price, you know in your mind that whatever it is you're charging for your product, 
you are not ripping the customer off. It's a fair price because you know what has gone into that product or service. You can intelligently defend your price. You can intelligently talk about the value that you are providing. And confidence is a competitive advantage. Confidence is one asset that you can have that you can use to sell a very expensive product even when there are cheaper ones there. Because it's a value. The customer can because the customer is reassured that you know what you're talking about. This person seems to know what he's talking about. So understanding the value chain in your pro that that uh, makes up that um, it's involved in your in the production of your final product helps you to uh, become more confident about what you sell. Ultimately, added value also creates a higher profitability for an organization. One way that there there are two ways that this happens. One, you can it can help you to reduce your cost, which can lead to the reduction of price. Then two, it can help you to win or gain customer loyalty. And when you've won the customer loyalty, you are guaranteed of repeat purchase, you are guaranteed of referrals. So let's quickly move to the principles of accounting. And I know some of you might be wondering, why do I need to learn the principles of accounting? I'm simply going to hire an accountant. And I advise that you do hire an accountant. But so that you won't have too much problems with your accountant, you need to understand the principles that guide these accountants when they work. So uh, I'm just going to run through some of these principles. We, 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 through research, we got 14 principles that I would like to share with you. And they are basically self-explanatory so i'm going to read through these principles just for you to have an idea of uh, the mindset of an accountant okay and after after i'm done reading the 14 principles you would see the reason why we believe that it is important that you know these principles accounting principles are the general rules and guidelines that companies are required to follow when reporting all accounts and financial data the first principle, record expenses and liabilities as soon as possible, but record revenues and assets only when you are sure that they will occur. This principle is called the, conservate, the conservative principle. Number two, stay with an accounting method until a demonstrably better method comes along. Using different accounting methods will lead to inconsistencies. This principle is called the consistency principle. Number three, transactions transactions of a business should be kept separate from its owners and other businesses. This is called the economic entity principle. Number four, include in or alongside the financial statements of a business all of the information that may impact a reader's understanding of those statements. This is called the full disclosure principle. Number five, the concept that a business will remain in operation for the foreseeable future. This is a concept that the, that the accountants use to work, um, that a business will remain in operation for a foreseeable future. This is called the going concern principle. Number six, a business should only record transactions that can be stated in terms of a unit of currency. This is called the monetary unit principle. Number seven, 
only those transactions that can be proven should be recorded. This is called the reliability principle. Number eight, a business should report the results of its operations over a standard period of time. For example, one month, six months, one year, and so on. This is a useful, this is useful for trend analysis. This is called the time period principle. Number nine, the amounts in your accounting system should be quantified or measured by using historical costs. If you bought a piece of property um, for 9 million naira last year, in your accounting record, it should still read 9 million naira this year. That's basically what this accounting principle means. You shouldn't add it's uh, if it has if it has added if it has increased in value or reduced the value. You shouldn't use the new. You should use historical cost. Number ten. Accounting measurements and accounting reports should use objective, factual, and verifiable data. You shouldn't assume the data. You should use verifiable data. This is called the objectivity principle. Number 11, only recognize revenue when the business has substantially completed the earnings process. Substantially completed the earnings process. This is called the revenue recognition principle. Number 12, an expense occurs at the time at which the business accepts goods or services from another entity. Once you've accepted the goods in accounting, you have incurred the cost. So this is called the expense recognition principle. Number 13, accounting transactions should be recorded as they occur. This is called the accrual principle. And finally, number 14, match each item of revenue with an item of expense. This is called the matching principle. So why learn these principles? By learning and gaining understanding of these accounting principles and adhering to them, you'll be able to communicate more effectively with an accountant or bookkeeper you hire throughout your business lifetime. Now, do you see the reason? You'll be able to communicate more effectively with an accountant or bookkeeper you hire throughout your business lifetime. So, as an entrepreneur, you know entrepreneurs don't only work hard, they work smart. You should hire an accountant to help to help you with your accounts, to help you to keep proper accounting so that uh, uh, you can focus on getting more customers rather than having the headache of trying to balance your accounts. So a good accounting record, a good accounting record keeper. Now let's talk about um, record keeping. A good accounting record keeper must ensure that every transaction is recorded. Now, as the entrepreneur, the business owner, you should ensure that every accounting record, every, every transaction is recorded. Someone, um, your sales um, team, they make sales, they should record the sales. If there's an expense, they should record the expense. Every transaction has to be recorded. This is the first general rule of accounting. A good accounting record keeper must also ensure that transactions are recorded using what is called a double entry accounting method. So if you hire an accountant and 
you observe that he's not adhering to this principle, you can ask why. Is it that you hired an incompetent accountant or an incompetent bookkeeper? So on the, your understanding of these principles would even help you to guide whoever you're going to work with better. So this, this is called the second general rule of accounting. Record keeping. Accounting record keeping is based on two basic principles. One, every debit must have an equal credit. Two, all accounts must balance. I learned this principle firsthand when I worked in the bank and uh, when I became the cash officer of a, of a particular branch. Every account must balance. If not, you, you are not going home. <laughs> every account must balance. You know? So in your business, you should adhere to, adhere to this principle. Every account must balance. So record keeping. A, chrono, a chrono, chronological record of all transactions is kept in a journal used to track all bookkeeping entries. Now, for those who may not have accounting background, um, let us quickly go through some of the basic definitions and basic terms in accounting. A journal. What is a journal? This is a book where all financial transactions are recorded for the first time. This is called a subsidiary book. What is a ledger? This is an account or record used to store bookkeeping entries for balance sheet and income statement transactions. This is called a principal book. A trial balance. This is a bookkeeping worksheet in which the balance of all ledgers are compiled into debit and credit account column totals that are equal. Don't bother yourself too much about this these terms. Your accountant will take care of them. But just have an idea. Have an idea of it. So finally, another reason why you should learn these principles. To understand the value of an accountant in your business. And so that you wouldn't need to get into any argument with them when they insist on following these principles when preparing your financial statements. Because you know that it is to ensure that there's never a question about the integrity of your business's financial statements. Remember that we said that um, accounting. Remember what we said about accounting, the definition of accounting. You need to ensure, you need to ensure that when the auditors come to check your books, that they would not pick out any inconsistencies or any irregularities. And that's why you need a professional to help you with your accounting. Because the principles of accounting are the general rules and guidelines. There are guidelines that companies are required to follow when reporting all accounts and financial data. Companies are required. The word required. They are required. So get a professional accountant to help you with your books, but have a basic understanding of how it works and how they work. All right, so this brings us to the end of the class. I want to thank you for, for watching and for participating. And please, any questions that you have, contributions, or 
experience that you would like to share, like I always say, uh, please feel free to share these experiences in the group. All right, so I'll see you in the next class. Thank you very much and take care. Hello and welcome to the third and last class of the day. So what we are going to be talking about in this class is the business enterprise, market development, the need for expansion, the expansion strategy, and counting the cost. So the business enterprise, the role of the, the, role of the business enterprise and the purpose of business activity is to produce goods and services to meet customer need and also to add value. So what are the different reasons why people go into business? One, for production. For production, let's take for example in the agribusiness sector, someone who rears animals. The animal farmer, he is into production. Now someone who sells seeds, who sells fertilizers, who sells holes, cutlasses, you know, farm implements and machinery, that person is into imputes supply. Now, someone who comes to the farm, buys the animal and goes to make corn beef is into processing. Someone who, who owns a warehouse where uh, this packets or cartons of corn beefs are stored before they are distributed to the different locations where they are needed is into storage. Then the person who runs a freight forwarding company that helps to clear this, um, this finished product from the pots and help to distribute them to the warehouses is into logistics and sometimes marketing. So these different companies or these different types of companies add value to the products. So let's quickly talk about market development. Market development is a growth strategy that identifies and develops new market segments for current products and non-buying customers in currently targeted segments. So these are two classes of customers. New market segments for current products, new market segments for current products and non-buying customers in currently targeted market. So you have non-buying customers in the market that you already sell. The market development is how do you reach these customers? Why don't they buy? Why are they not already buying from you? Is there something about your product that you can change to meet their need? Can you add something to your product or can you remove something from your product to meet these particular non-buying customers? Then the new segment, the new segment, how do you reach this new segment for current products? How do you reach this new segment? The same product, but a new segment, a new category of markets, of customers that you want to target. 
how do you reach these customers now there are three step into three steps into market development strategy so it's called the three-step market development strategy step one do your research and identify the new market segment the first thing you need to do is to identify this new market segment where are they how can i reach them that is step two you create promotional strategies to penetrate the new market now, if you use the same strategy that you've been using for the market segment that you already have, you'll just be wasting your money because that strategy is already being implemented and yet you don't have these people, this new segment. So you need to create a new promotional strategy to meet this new market segment that will be best suited to attract this new market segment. Then the third step is to implement the strategy. Like we said, or like it has been said before, um, a plan is useless if it is not implemented. So after identifying the new market and creating a, a promotional strategy, creating your promotional strategy to penetrate the new market, if you don't, apply this strategy then it is useless you will not get this new market so the step three is very important implement the strategy let's move to smart business scaling every business owner faces the decision of whether or not to expand their operations to meet prospects for growth within their market Do you want to expand your business? Why do you want to expand your business? You need to be able to answer that question so that you don't make a mistake. Because if you make take the wrong step, that could lead to the death of your business. If you take the wrong step in trying to expand your business when you are not yet mature for it, when your business is not yet ready for such an expansion, that may just lead to the death of your business. So, why do we need to expand our business our businesses what reasons do we need to have before we can say that yes i want to expand my business one to meet demand to meet the demand for existing products and or new product lines when the demand is higher than supply you can decide to expand your business to meet the demand it may not necessarily mean that you wanted to generate more revenue but you just wanted to meet the demand because sometimes in not expanding to meet the demand you have created an opportunity for other businesses to come in to that market and once you once you allow that to happen and customers now have alternatives even the customers that you already serve may begin to leave you to go and buy from other people so sometimes you just want to expand because you know that there is a demand and you don't want new um don't to create the opportunity for new competitors to come into the business to come into this into the market or into the industry now to increase revenue 
sometimes you want to raise funds to exp to go into other product lines and you want to raise the funds internally so you can decide to expand your business for that reason because you know that there's a market but you also need the revenue so you can decide to expand your business and attract more customers into your business then to become more attractive to become more attractive i know someone who had to leave a small office to rent a bigger size office just because you wanted to be able to attract certain kinds of customers you know they say uh what the customer perceives about your business that is the reality doesn't matter how you see your business or what you think what the customer sees or how the customer perceives your business is the reality so sometimes you may take that decision to be able to attract a certain kind of customer or certain kinds of businesses so the expansion strategy expansion requires strategic thinking it requires strategic thinking so these are a few strategies that you can adopt when you want to expand your business internal expansion expand the internal operations by moving to a bigger office now you can decide it is always it, it, it is good that you do your research and make your you know do your analysis to know exactly where you need to expand sometimes what you need in your business is more space not more personnel so if you have not done your analysis to know that what you need to expand is the space you need more space and you thought what you needed was more personnel and you employ more people that may run your business into loss you may be you may begin to make losses because that's not the kind of expansion that you need at that time so you need to be clear what kind of expansion would work for you now you can decide to open new branches either locally or internationally this can be your own strategy for expansion if you've not if you've um, if you've noticed that there's a high demand in a certain location in a certain country is a certain state for your product or your service you can decide to open a new branch in that location so you can also decide to expand in the area of your sales structure you can decide to change your structure to franchising or direct sales or distributorship or affiliate marketing so you need to know in what part of your business do you need to expand it could be that it's just your marketing unit your marketing structure that you need to expand not your operation structure and not the physical structure so you need to know which of these strategies would work best for your situation and for your business there are collaborations and partnerships you build relationships with entrepreneurs sometimes you want to expand but after doing your analysis you you can you 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 can you can come to a conclusion that what you need to expand is more of your operation strategy rather than have a new office why not get into partnership with someone who has a, who has an office in that location and choose to partner with that person you can have your staff um, work in that person's office rather than you building a new branch or having to rent your own office it depends on what works for your own situation or in your own particular industry so these are four strategies 
that you can choose from. Now, by doing more research, I research, I'm sure you can even find out a lot more strategies. But these are four that we think you'll be able to, you know, use one or two for your expansion um, needs. Now, counting the cost, counting the cost. You need to count the cost. An entrepreneur takes calculated risk. Do you really need to expand your business right now? Is that what you need right now? Is that what your business needs right now? If your answer is yes, in what area do you need to expand? In what part of your business do you need to expand? Don't be in a hurry to scale up your business. That can lead to the death of your business. You need to be sure that that is what your business needs. And when you're sure that, yes, it needs to expand, you need to know where the expansion needs to take place. What part of your business do you need to expand? All right, so this brings us to the end of the second class for the day. Um, please would like would um, like you to participate by going to the WhatsApp group and telling us what you've learned from this class. What are the um, two points or two lessons that hit you that really got you thinking? Okay. So take care and see you on the WhatsApp group.